Good morning. How you guys doing? Anybody excited that it's Easter? Not really. Okay. Hey, real quick, we have uh, a ministry for 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. If you're in junior high, you guys are now dismissed. If you guys want to go back to your class, I know there's a whole bunch of you all over the place. Some of you guys have already gone out of there. Hey, my name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here. And, man, I'm just jacked up for Easter, man. This is probably the best day to be a pastor in the world because everybody actually wants to come listen to you on this day. And so I've... I don't know. That's just what I thought coming into this. Maybe not. I don't know. But, uh, man, I, I just love Easter. You know, Easter is such an incredible time. It's not about death. It's about a resurrection. It's about what God wants to do in each and every one of our lives. And, you know, in, in getting ready for this weekend, I, I, found, I came across this story. Um, it was about a guy named Bill, and Bill and his dad um, were really, really good friends, and, and uh, Bill was getting ready to graduate high school. And part of the whole thing in their community where they lived is— they were, lived in a pretty wealthy community, and when your son would graduate high school, what you would do is you would buy them the car of their dreams. You know, that was kind of the deal, and so his dad and him, they would go around every weekend leading up to graduation, and they would look at these different cars, and they would see, oh, what are the options or whatever, and finally, Bill found a 66 Mustang that he just fell in love with, and his dad knew that this was the most incredible car, and the night before graduation, his dad went to Bill and said, man, I have a gift for you. And he handed him a box. And, it, and, and Bill opened it up, and inside was a Bible. And Bill was just so ticked off that his dad would, would get him a Bible rather than a car that he threw it down and said, I hate you, Dad. I'm never coming back to this house. I don't ever want to see you again. And from that day on, Bill never saw his father. And many years later, Bill's father died, and, and, and because he was his only son, he came back to the estate, and he was going through, and, and as he was going through this stuff, he found a Bible. The very Bible that his dad had given him that very night that he last saw him, and he, as he opened it up, he saw that inside there was a cashier's check for the exact amount of the car that he had always wanted. And I think Easter is, is one of the coolest things in the world, but I also think it's one of the, those, those weekends that it just breaks my heart because so many people, just like Bill, have taken the message of Jesus and tossed it to the side and gone after their own plans, their own ideas, because it didn't look how they thought it was going to look. They didn't realize that God's plan and his desire and those things maybe wasn't exactly planned out the way that we had it in our mind, just like in the video. So many of us have an idea of what our financial future should look like. So many of us have an idea of what our future spouse or our husband should or our wife should be doing and what that should look like in that relationship. So many of us have an idea of what our career path is going to look like. And nowhere in there, as we're going through those things, do we find the fulfillment, do we find the joy, do we find the relationships that we've been looking for? Because it's our plan and our idea. And this Easter, I believe that God, more than anything else, wants to truly reveal to you and I what his plan is for our life. What does that look like? And, I, and there, the first verse in your notes is this verse out of John 1, 16 and 17. It says, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, this Easter, Jesus paid the price for everything that you and I could ever desire. All the blessings, all those purpose, all those plans that we want, God has got an even better one that we can even think of. And it's through Jesus Christ that we can find those things. 
And I love some of the words in there. It says the fullness. That means to be overflowing. In our lives, God wants to overflow some things in our lives. But a lot of us miss out on what God wants to do because we have our own ideas. We have our own direction. We have our own thoughts on what our life should look like. And I want to just kind of study a story this morning or of a, of a guy that's in the Bible. His name is Peter. Maybe his life is a little bit like your life. And I find that, that Peter has goes through life and has some of the kind of the same patterns that I have, probably some of the same patterns that you have about what he thinks his life should look like. And what are some of the reasons that we get off track of missing out on the grace and amazing love that God has for our lives? And I think one of the reasons that you and I miss out on the plan that God has, this unfailing love plan, is because we're very self-confident. We think to ourselves, man, man, I've got this. Man, God, there's a lot of other people out there. You can take care of them because I've got this idea. Man, I know exactly where I'm going in my career. You don't need to, you don't need to direct me to that college because I want to go to this college. And I know that there I'm going to get the right degree and I'm going to get the right education, which is going to provide me the right job, which eventually will take me to be the CEO of corporate America and I will rule the world. And we've got that down. And that overconfidence a lot of times ends up helping us miss the very nature of what God wants to do because we're like, God, man, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I've got this. I'm, I'm, I'm secure in this area. Like, if you want to help over here, that's cool. But here, I've got this. I've got that down. And I, I found this quote. It says, you will never go anywhere in life if you think you've already arrived. And so many of us, we think, man, I've arrived at the situation. I've got this down. I've got this down pat. Man, I know the direction. And so I'm going to take this one, God. You go on hold. You go help Joe over here because he needs it a lot more than I do. In fact, people do this in church all the time. They come to church, and they're listening to a sermon, which was what some of you guys right now are doing. And you're like, oh, this would be so good for Bob, you know. He really needs to be here today because, I mean, this is his life exactly. And we get so spiritual that we think, man, I've got this all figured out for everybody else. But, man, I don't need this. I'm good. I've got this area dominated, dominated. And so we get this overconfidence and we think, man, I am good on this. And, and, or you come in and you say, you know what, I could use something deeper. You know, I, I've got this kind of shallow stuff. I, at least I think it's shallow. But the reality is, is most of us haven't conquered love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then the second greatest commandment that's right next to it, love your neighbor as yourself. How many of y'all have dominated that one? Like you've got that one down pat. None of us, right? We're still working on that. If we weren't, we probably wouldn't be here. We'd be like, I don't even need any of that. But instead we're here and we're like, man, I need some of this stuff, but maybe it's for somebody else. But here's the thing. We get so confident in these things. We get so confident. We're so self-confident. And that self is a major thing. And listen, listen to what Peter says in Mark 14, 29. He says, and even if everyone else deserts you, he's talking to Jesus here. They're, they're getting there near the end, and, and Jesus is telling them that, hey, you know what? Um, I'm going to die, and people are going to leave me. And Peter's like, man, I know me. I've got this. I've got your back, bro. Man, I'm, if you're here, I'm right here because I'm there. I've got you protected. And he says, even if anyone, everyone else deserts you, I never will. What was his problem, man? He was self-confident. He's like, Jesus, I don't really need you because I've got this. And I, I try to work so hard on this in my life because it's so easy for me to, to look at things and be like, I've got this. I think about our church all the time as, as we're an 18-month-old church and we're reaching tons of people and we're, we're doing really cool things in the community. It's so many times it's so easy to be like, man, we've got this. God, we don't really need you. We've got this whole thing planned out. But instead, man, we're constantly saying, God, we don't have a clue what we're doing. 
We don't understand people one bit. And God, we need your help because we don't have a clue. And my pastor, Randy Bazette, would always say this in our staff meetings on stage. He said, a man that is on his face can never fall from that position. And you and I need to recognize that, man, when we get self-confident, we're standing on our own two feet. And it's really easy to fall from that position. It's really easy to fall and miss out on what God has for us. In fact, in Proverbs 16, 18, it says, pride first, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the, pro- the fall. The problem with self-confidence is ego. It's our ego. It gets in the way and it rises up. And you want to know what ego really is as an acrostic? It's edging God out. When we start to edge God out of our lives, when we start to push him out of our lives and start to say, man, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to, I'm going to run with this situation. I don't really need your focus here, God, because I'm, I'm good with that. Man, we start edging God out of our lives and we start taking control of those, situation is, those situations. And what happens is the bigger our ego gets, man, we're going to fall and we're going to fall hard. And when those dominoes come t- tumbling down in our life, man, it's painful. It's painful because we've taking control. Another area that, that we typically have a problem with is, is this whole idea of laziness. Laziness, if you're taking notes. The second thing there is laziness. And, and I'm not talking about necessarily a physical thing, but I'm talking about a spiritual laziness. Because here's the deal. Jesus never promised his disciples that life was going to be easy. In fact, he told them just the opposite. He said, listen, you're going to go through a lot of trouble in life. You're going to go through a lot of hardships. You're going to go through a lot of difficult circumstances. But here's the deal. I'm with you all the entire time. If you rely on me, those circumstances, those difficulties, those, those things that seem insurmountable won't be as bad as you think they really are. Because here's the thing, God's blessing, man, it it comes through the cross. And if we keep our focus on him and we remember that's where it is, then, man, God does some amazing things in our lives. In fact, uh, for for some, I I found this story about this this circus that was coming to town. And and they were driving along and a cop pulled up behind one of the cars and and pulled this guy over. And and the cop was like, hey, I want to search your car. And this happened to be the vehicle that like all the jugglers kept all their knives and different things and swords, the guys that eat the swords and stuff. And so the cop is searching their car and he sees all this and he's like, whoa, what's going on? You know, there's a lot of terrorism going on. You guys got a ton of weapons here. What's the deal? And they're like, listen, listen, we're not breaking any laws. We're, we're jugglers, man. We, you, he's like, prove it, prove it. And so they get out some of the knives and they start juggling on the side of the road. And as somebody's driving by, they look over and they say, man, that DUI test sure is getting hard. Some of y'all, that's, I mean, you'd be like, oh, I just, just take me to jail, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but sometimes, man, we're trying to serve God and it gets difficult. And the difficulties in life cause us to get lazy. They cause us to get complacent. And we just stop serving because it's easier to stop. And in this very next scene, man, Jesus, Jesus is with Peter, and he's with James and John, and he, he says, man, I want you guys to come with me and pray. Man, will you guys take a, take a little bit out of your schedule? I know you guys are pretty busy right now, but will you take a little bit of time out of your schedule and come and pray? And so they go, and, and Jesus goes off a little bit, and he starts praying, and they fall asleep. And Jesus comes back and is like, come on, guys, wake up. And uh, he goes back off and prays, comes back, they're falling asleep again goes off again and comes back a third time. And this is what he says in Mark 14, 37 and 38. And Jesus returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? 
Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And there's some key things I want you guys to, to circle in here. Circle, keep watch. Circle the words, keep watch. And it means stay alert. And I don't know about you guys, but when we go on family vacation and stuff, you know, usually I get stuck driving any dads out there. You know what I'm saying? You get stuck driving the minivan or, or the car and you got all the kids and the, the wife in there and they, they're asleep and it's like 2 a.m. And you're trying to keep alert, right? You got the windows down. You're sticking your head out there. Bugs are hitting you in the face. You're, you know, you're, you're slapping yourself back and forth, like trying to stay awake. Pump up the music, whatever you can do. You got like Red Bull and antihistamine going down and just like, bam! Like you're just going crazy. But how many of you guys know you, you all of a sudden, man, you're, you're, you're pumped up. Ten minutes later, you, you get that, you know, that kind of the drowsy thing going on. And, and pretty soon you're, you're kind of drifting a little bit and you hear that. You're scares everybody in the car and you get back awake. You know what I'm saying in that moment? Come on, y'all have been there, haven't you? You guys have been on the road trip. You know what I'm talking about. And you're like, man, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm wide awake. You're assuring your wife because she's freaking out right now. You're like, you're going to kill us and the kids. And, uh, and so you're like, I I've got this. I'm, I'm wide awake. Ten minutes later. You know, and you're off. And that's what, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's, he's saying, keep watch. Because I think a lot of times spiritually, we start to fall asleep. We start to drift off, and it's, it's not something that happens real quick. It's, it's kind of this subtle thing. We don't even realize that it's happening, and pretty soon we're drifting off the path of life. And, and we st where we started at, and we end up over here, and we're like, how did I end up here? We don't even realize what is happening. And I think we miss the interpretation a lot of times here because if we were to really look at the Greek of what this is saying, we would see that it's a present participle. So what it's saying is it says, keep watch. What that means is keep watch and keep on watching. So it's watch and keep on watching. Pray and keep on praying. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a continual thing in our lives. Because if we don't do this, it's so easy for us to fall into temptation. It's so easy for us to drift off the path of life and to find ourselves in a place that we never expected where we're crashing into things that we never thought were going to happen in our lives. Because here's the thing. Jesus is saying, man, so you don't fall into those things. Listen, nobody ever would just walk around and just fell into an adultery. Nobody just like, oh, there it is. It just happened. Man, it's gradual. Nobody just was walking along and just fell into an, an alcoholic uh, lifestyle. Nobody just fell into a drug addiction. It was a subtle thing that just started gradually happening. And we started drifting further and further away. And before long, it's full-blown in our lives. And for so many of us, we get caught up and we allow the drift to take us away. Because here's the thing, our spirit is willing, but our body is weak. That means it's really easy for us to drift off into those things. And we got to understand that the, the harder we work when things are going good, the easier it is for us to get through the tough times. But with so many of us, what we do is we are, are, are you know, instead of praying during the times we should be praying, we're watching TV and we're on the internet. And we're transitioning out the things that we should be doing for things that we shouldn't be doing. And then we're wondering why when struggles come our way, when difficulties come, when our plan does not work the way we thought it was, where's God? 
Because we've drifted so far from him. Because we have become lazy in that. In fact, there's a story of, of a Native American, and, and he says that inside of me there are two dogs. There's a dog that's ravenous and, and just crazy, and is, he wants to take control. And then there's another dog that is sweet and caring and kind that live inside of me. And somebody once asked him, how do you know which dog wins? And he says this, the dog that I feed. And are we allowing ourselves to take control? Are we allowing ourselves to go lazy and just go with whatever flows? Or are we caring for ourselves? Are we making sure we're staying on point? Are we running after the things that God has for our lives? Are we watching and keeping on watching? Are we praying and are we keeping on praying to stay on point for what God has for our lives? Because here's the thing, man, we need to take that responsibility and go after God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind for the plans that he has for us, not our own. And it's so easy for us to become self-confident and take control. And it's, it's easy for us to fall in this, this pattern of laziness where we're just complacent with where we're at. And we allow ourselves to drift off to the, to the waves of life and end up way further away than we ever thought. But also we fall into this whole idea of convenience. It's very convenient for us. Yakov Smirnov said when he came over to this country from Russia, he was, he was walking around the grocery store for the very first time. And he was, he was walking around and he saw this, this section that had powdered milk. And, and he looked at it and he's like, you just add water and voila, there's milk. And he's like, this is awesome. And he walked a little bit further and he saw powdered juice. You just add water and all of a sudden there's juice. And he walked a little bit further and he saw baby powder and you just add water and... He's like, I love this country. You know what I'm saying? Because you and I, we want the instantaneous in life. We want the easy. We want the convenient. We want it right now, how we want it, how we like it, and we'll do whatever it takes to get that. You know, and for a lot of us, we want to have faith, but only when it's convenient. We want to have trust in God, but only when it's beneficial to us, not when there's difficult times and we truly have to trust him. You know, and where a lot of us are like, man, sure, I want to follow Christ as long as it doesn't cramp my style. As long as I don't have to let anybody know that I love him. Or as long as I don't have to go to church often. Or as long as I don't have to, you know, like people. As long as it stays within my confines of what I want. And it's convenient. And Peter fell into the same thing in Mark 14, 54. As Jesus was being taken off to be beaten and crucified... It says, Peter followed him at a distance, right in the courtyard of the high priest. And there he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. As Peter started getting distance from, distant from God, he started playing and hanging out with the wrong crowd. He did what was convenient in life. And it was convenient to stay afar because anybody that was, that was with Jesus, it wasn't a good thing. It was a difficult circumstance. And so it was easier to stay and play in the fire with the enemy than it was to follow the true and living God. You know, and, and I've been in ministry for, for almost 13 years now. And, uh, man, I've seen a lot of people that get fired up for Jesus. And then at six months, a year, 18 months later, man, they are nowhere to be found. They, they have a quick thing. And uh, they, were, they were really strong for a period of time, but they allowed the convenient in life to sway them from the amazing grace and love of Jesus. And what happens is, is, is they follow Christ as long as it's convenient. But when it starts to get a little uh, tougher, when, it starts, when they start to have to dig a little bit deeper, man, it's easy for them to fall away. 
And uh, I, I, I love Sam Walton. I love the story of Walmart because he is an incredible guy. And, and I was reading about the first five and dime, Walton's five and dime store that he ever opened. And uh, it was back in the, the early um, 50s and 60s. And he opened up this first store. It was, in, it was somewhere in Arkansas. And the first day he had this grand idea that they were going to open up and they were going to have pony rods and they were going to have watermelons that they were going to be handing out. And it, it happened to be that that day was a really, really, really hot day. And so they were outside and they had this kind of the circus thing going on, on and they had the pony rods going. And what was happening is, is that the watermelons, because it was so hot, started bursting and there's watermelon juice going all over the place. And and pony rides were going on, and ponies do things that only ponies do, and that was everywhere, and it was going in the, the watermelon juice, and people were trampling through that and walking through the store, and it's like 4,000 degrees outside because it's in Arkansas in the middle of summer, and, uh, you know, it kind of smells like watermelon juice and poop. Uh, it's a really good combination. And at the end of the day, they're like, this was the worst day ever. And, and the story tells that Sam gathered everybody around him, and he said, listen, we might not always be the best at what we do, but we will always be an excellent at everything that we do. And excellence is, is, is learning and always growing from those things and doing the very best that we can. And he said, you know what? We're not going to live by convenience, but we're going to live by a conviction of excellence in our facility. And from that day on, they continue to grow and grow and grow. And today, Walmart is the largest retailer in the world because they've not lived based on convenience of what was easy and what was the, the convenient thing to do, but they lived on this conviction that, man, we're going to continually improve daily to be even better. And you and I, man, we've got we've to choose not to live by the convenience of this world, but by the conviction of what we trust in. Because a lot of times this world gets tough. I mean, I, my wife, she comes to me a lot of times and says, man, I love you, but I don't like you right now. Some of you wives can say the same thing about your husband as well. You know, she lives by a conviction, not by convenience. She might not like me in the moment, but she's, is, she has a conviction that, man, she's going to love me no matter what. And some of us, man, some of us find ourselves in some situations that we've been, we've been going through life, and, man, we've been running in our own confidence, and, man, it's not working out. And we found ourselves becoming lazy in our walk with God and just spiritually, and we're, we've just drifted along. And some of us, we've just done what's convenient, and so we've just been all over the place. And I want to tell you that here today, God's grace works best when we're at our worst. God's grace works best when we're the furthest from him, when we don't understand, when we don't know, when we don't see how everything is going to come together. God's grace and his love come together and do something incredible in our lives. And, and Peter did all these crazy things, but you know what Peter realized? Is that he realized that God gives second chances. That God is the God of second chances. And I'm a golfer. Anybody else out there a golfer? A couple of you guys? Okay, a couple of ladies. Cool, man. I like that ladies play golf. That's awesome. Man, I love playing golf. And one of the things I love about golf is on that first tee, you get up there and you shank a shot. And you have a really good friend with you who grabs a ball of his pocket and tosses it to you and says, hey, man, take a mulligan. And what that means is, hey, take another shot. Take another shot at this. And that is what God is all about. He's about the God of second chances. He's about pulling out another ball and saying, hey, take another shot at this thing called life. Take another shot at this thing called marriage. Take another shot at this thing that you call relationships. Take another shot at these because I am about a second chance in your life. 
In, in Mark 16, 7, this is what Jesus says. He says, after he's been resurrected, now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, and just as he told you. Jesus is talking to some of the people, and he's saying, hey, go get everybody. But here's the thing. I know Peter's ran away. Go get him, too, because I'm a God of a second chance. And some of you guys have been running from God because you think there's no way, there's no possible way that God could ever take me back. There's no way that he would accept me. You don't know what's happened in my life. And you feel like he's unreliable, and you just need to work that out of your system right now. Because here's the thing. Our God is gracious. Our God is compassionate. He's full of love, and it's never-ending. And he's saying to you and I today that, man, I am here to give you a second chance. Man, I'm here to give you another opportunity. I don't care that you've had 77 opportunities. Take a 78th. Man, I am here for you. And some of you guys, man, you really do feel like, man, I don't, I don't know that I can trust him. You know, because, because if, if I trust God, then bad things should never happen to me. And if you think that, then, man, you're, you're probably right. You're going to think he's unreliable. But I know this. I know that parents love their kids unconditionally. And that they'll be hanging out with their kids and their kids will fall down and get hurt. And it's not that that parent's love wasn't there for that child. It's just that stuff happens in life. And what does that child do at that moment? They run directly to their father, directly to their mother. And they take care of that situation. And God is in the same thing. He allows us to live our lives but when we fall and we get hurt, man, he is right there with open arms saying, man, dad is right here. Come on back. Come on back and experience the fullness of my grace and my love in your life. Because I'm the God of second chances. Love what Hebrews says. It says, for our high priest, talking about Jesus, is able to understand our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Let us then feel the very sure that we can come before God's throne where there is grace. There we can receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. You know where we, we find mercy and grace? Is there. It's at the cross. And some of you guys think that the, the minuses of your life, that God can't turn those things around. But God did turn those things around when he made a plus out of the cross. He said, all of your hang-ups... I took care of them when I was hung up. All the things that detract, man, I, I put together to add to your life. And some of you guys today need to recognize that no matter how, time, how many times you've fallen, that God's grace and love is sufficient for your life. It's more than enough. It's more than you need. But you know what? He'll keep on heaping it out to you. And when we, when we recognize that, man, God gives second chances, we need to return to him. We need to return to him. And I know some of you may be thinking, return to him? Seriously? Do you know what I've done? Do you know how bad I've messed up my life? Do you know the, the, the things that I've gone out and, and made happen that I should have never done? How can I do that? How can I turn those things around? How can, how can I return to God? There's no way that he would ever accept me. There's no way that he would ever take care of the problems that I'm facing. There's no way that he would ever do that. And Peter is in that same situation. Right in the moment when Jesus is coming back, Peter has gone back to his old lifestyle, man. He's back. He's out there. He's back fishing. He's back out hanging with his old friends. He's back doing the very things that he was doing before he ever met Christ. 
And this is what Jesus says. And right when he gives a second chance, this is what he says in John 21, 7. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he jumped into the water and headed to shore. See, when, when Peter realized that Jesus was a God of a second chance, man, he didn't just stay in the boat. He just didn't stay in the circumstances of life. Man, he jumped out and he swam to shore. And some of you guys today, Jesus is on the shore of your life, even though you haven't recognized him, you haven't seen him, and he's calling to you. And he's saying, return to me, man. I've got a second chance. I've got an opportunity for you if you'll just come to me. And some of you guys need to recognize that, man, Jesus is there, and we need to jump out of the boat and run to him. I love the movie Forrest Gump. It's, it's one of my favorite movies, and I love a scene where Lieutenant Dan is there, and he says, hey, Gump, have you found Jesus yet? And Gump turns to him and says, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, sir. <laughs> and some of you guys, you don't even know that you're supposed to be looking for him. But he is on the shore of your life, and he is calling out. He is calling your name today, saying, come to me, return to me. Come find rest. Come find hope. Come find purpose in me. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weaknesses. My power is made perfect in your weaknesses. This week as I was uh, building some of this set design stuff, trying to get it prepped for this weekend, and uh, I was outside cutting wood and different things, and my neighbor was outside teaching his son to ride his bike. And, uh, and it, was, it was pretty interesting. Any parents out there ever teach their kids how to ride their bike? You know, they, you know, he was teaching them no training wheels. They'd never done training wheels. He's like, man, I was talking to him, and he's like, man, I'm teaching my son how to ride a bike without training wheels, and he is not going to fall. None of my other kids have fallen. And so he, he was on the back of the bike, and he was running back and forth. He, like, this dude was getting his workout all day long. I mean, I know why he's skinny now, because he's chasing his kids, and he's holding on. He's like, you know, and the kids are wobbling and stuff, and he's, he's got holding on tight to make sure that they don't fall. And, and, and it was so much fun watching because he's running up and down our kind of cul-de-sac, back and forth, holding on. And, and you would hear his son going, Daddy, do you have me? And he'd be like, yeah, I got you, as he's about to have a heart attack. And, and finally, when, when his son had, like, he was going well enough, he eventually let go. And his son was riding, and he's like, Daddy, do you have me? He's like, no, you're good, go. And his son was like, Dad, where are you at? And crash into a tree. <laughs> Just kidding. His dad was actually still running along with him, but he had let go. And the entire time his son was learning to run, man, his dad was right there holding on. It wasn't his son's strength that was making the bike stay up. It was his dad's. And some of you guys are running through the, thing, through the streams of life trying to make a pattern, and you don't have your heavenly father there holding on to you, making sure you're secure. And you're wondering why your life is falling and crashing because his grace has not been sufficient for you. You have not allowed his grace and his love to come and take care of your life because it was his father's strength that made the boy's bike go. And finally, when he got to the point where he could do it on his own, man, his dad still ran alongside of him, making sure that he didn't crash and fall. And some of you need to return to him today. And when we return to him, we have to allow God to restore our hope. We've got to allow God to restore our hope because Jesus went out of his way to restore Peter. He went out of his way to make sure that Peter knew that, man, just, just be, because he was brought back and just because he returned to him, that there was something more for his life. And I love 
right after this in John 21, 17, it says, Jesus came to Peter a third time and said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, he said, feed my sheep. See, Peter had gone back to his own way and his own lifestyle. He'd gone back to his own purpose. And Jesus comes to him and says, man, I've got something bigger and better for your life. I've got a purpose and I've got a plan that is incredible for your life. And man, that plan for you, Peter, is feeding my sheep. And for you today, man, God has got an awesome plan for your life. I don't know exactly what that plan looks like, but the only way that you can discover it is by returning back to him and allowing him to restore that hope. Because here's the thing about you and I. We have the opportunity to become bitter or better because of life circumstances. In fact, write down the word bitter in your notes. How we handle our resentments, how we handle our our trials, how we handle our circumstances come down to this one word, bitter or better. And the only difference between those two words is one letter, and it's I. I have to make a choice. I have to make a decision. Am I going to be bitter or am I going to be better? And when we choose to come back to Jesus, he doesn't allow our lives to stay bitter based on the circumstances of the past, but he gives us a hope for our future. And some of you guys today, you need to recognize, man, that God is this incredible God of second chances. And, man, he has been calling your name. Return to me. And he wants to restore your hope. He wants to restore your hope. He wants to take the dominoes of life that have crashed down. And he wants to build a new pattern. And I want to end with this. There was a story of a a son and a father. And they were the best of friends. And, uh... As the son got a little bit older, his, his name got called up in the draft for the Vietnam War. And, uh, and he was about to get called off to war. And, and one of the things that they loved to do is they loved to collect artwork. And they had some of the most amazing artwork in their family. They had Rembrandts and Van Goghs. And, and uh, they were sitting there before they were going just looking at the artwork, just looking at how majestic it was and, and how God and how these artists were trying to speak to them through these different pictures of life. And eventually the son had to go off. He was drafted and had to go off to fight the Vietnam War. And while he was over there, His, son, his dad one day got a knock at the door from the military saying his son had died in combat very courageously. And the dad grieved deeply for his son, man. He loved his son so much. About 45 days later, there was another knock at his door. And a soldier was standing there with a large package. And he said to the father, sir, you don't know me, but your son saved my life. In fact, he saved a lot of lives, but he was carrying me out when a bullet hit him and went right through his heart and killed him instantaneously. And your son meant so much to me. And, and I'm not a great artist, and, but I know that you guys loved art. And so I painted a portrait of your son and he He hands him the package and the father looks at it and he sees the resemblance of his son and he sees the eyes that his son had and somehow this this young man had captured those eyes like nobody else and as he saw and he locked eyes on it, his 
tears started welling up. He's like, thank you so much. Can I pay you for this painting? And the son's like, man, I can, or the, the soldier was like, I could never take anything. Your son did so much for me. And the father took that portrait and put it on his mantle. And, and every time guests would come over, he would, he would take them first to that point, painting of the son and say, look at my son. Look at this. Isn't it amazing? Before he would take them to see the Raphaels and the Rembrandts and the Van Goghs. A few years later, the father passed away. And there was going to be a great auction for his collection of artwork. People from all over the world had flown in for their opportunity to get to bid on some of the greatest historical pieces that were out there. The, the fact that they could go home with a Van Gogh or a Rembrandt or, or, or something that nobody else in the world would have brought everybody out. And as the people gathered for the auction, the first painting that was up, was, a, was the portrait of the son. It was sitting on an easel. And as, as the, the auctioneer came and said, hey, we're about to start the auction, and he tapped his gavel, he said, we're first going to start with the painting of the son. Who will give me $200? And it was dead silence. $200. Can I get $100? And, and people started yelling out, just pass it by. Nobody wants that. Bring out the more famous paintings. Bring out the Rembrandts. Bring out the Van Goghs. And he said, the son, the son, will somebody bid on the son? And the, the crowd started to get angry and was like, come on, let's get on with the auction. We came here to see the good stuff, not that. And finally, the, the longtime gardener yelled up from the back, I'll give $10. He was a very poor man. It was all that he could afford. But he loved the father and he loved the son. And the auctioneer said, is there anybody else? Is there anybody else that will give a bid? $10 going once, going twice, sold for $10 to the gardener. And he put down the gavel and he said, today concludes our auction. And the people in the crowd were like, what are you talking about? There's all these other famous paintings. There's all these other things. And he said, well, there was a stipulation in the will that I could not disclose. And that was this. The father said that, man, when my estate is to be sold, the first painting I want to have auctioned off is the son. And whoever gets the son gets it all. And I'm here to tell you today that some of you guys have been searching for it all and you've been missing out because he who gets the son gets it all. The purpose that you've been looking for, the plans that you have for your life, the destiny that you've been longing for all of your life cannot be found in everything else. It's only found in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was crucified 2,000 years ago so you could have life and you could have it more abundantly. And today, some of you guys need to exchange all those plans, all those ideas, all those thoughts that you've had all of your life for the Son. Because you know that that has not brought fulfillment it hasn't brought joy. It hasn't brought peace. It hasn't brought you the very things that you've been longing for. But you know what can? The sun. And today, you need to recognize that our God is here. And he wants to give you another chance. And he's calling out to you, return to me. And trade in all those things for the hope that only I can give.